In recent news, Next 90 is now back on the air. But where has he been? Don't call it a comeback. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Next 90. I am your host, Nick, and this is the Next 90. I am so excited, not because it's been a while since I've been on this microphone, but because of the guest I have sitting in front of me. Yes, that's right, my friends. You are in for a treat today. I have my brother, Brody Kern. How you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's I'm this is happy a, to be here. This has been a long time coming. I know. I know. We've been trying to put it together forever, and then last time I was in town... We, I was doing like 10 podcasts out here, right. remember? And we weren't, yeah, you're weren't like, able you're, to get it done. Yeah, I, I, I like to think that I'm special and that you were only like vying to get on my podcast, but you're on like every major podcast that comes out. I, I, I like to hit him. It was a little media tour, but hey, this time it's just you. Just you and me, buddy. Yeah. I, I pitter-patter. I feel uh, so special. Yeah. So Brody and I, um, uh, our paths probably have crossed multiple times, but Brody and I are two men who are on a constant journey of evolving and become better men, better business leaders, ultimately to, to make an impact. Brody has a, an insane story that we'll, we'll get into, but we met in the world-class leader mastermind. I think that's what it was called. Yeah, right? that's what it was called. Yeah, world-class leader mastermind. I've been in, you know, multiple masterminds, so I have to like jog the memory on which one uh, it was, but yeah, we were in there and it was all about building a brand and, and trying to get a bigger reach. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you, you know, the interesting, interesting thing about world-class leader is, I wasn't coaching at all before that. Oh, you weren't? Not at all. Oh, I thought I, you were. No, I. Why, I did, why did I? Why did I think that? I thought you were, you were coaching. No, so I was still. I was just. I was doing real estate and uh, and brokering deals at that point. Okay. And so I, that was when I knew that I wanted to coach. I had just got married and yeah, I just started it from scratch. Then so it's you know we're just over a year now. Wow, that's impressive. It's been crazy. Yeah, that's impressive. So, all right, before we uh, before we get really into the meat and potatoes, um, just tell them who you are, age, kind of give us a little background on on you right now. Yeah, so Brody Kern, 25-year-old serial 25, entrepreneur. 25, 25. I have been in the game of business for the last five years. I'm about to be 26. Um, I'm a father, new new father, eight-month-old right. son at home. That's been fucking awesome. That's and And uh, my husband, my husband, and both of those things are very important to me. And I'm a recovering alcoholic. That's a huge part of my story. Yeah. Family man, recovering alcoholic. And how long have you been sober now? So coming up on just three years, I've been around the program of AA for a little over five, but we had a brief relapse, which we'll get into. So, you know, about to be three years. Three years. That's impressive, man. That's impressive. Like to do anything for, for three years, but to give up probably something that would be considered a vice or uh, a stronghold on your life. I mean, that's that's nothing to like not be proud of. Much appreciated, man. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's made me who I am. So how long have you been married? So I've been married since May 19th, 2018. 2018. So a little over a year. A little over a year. Your son's eight months old. Son's eight months old. Man, you're like me and Nicole. We didn't waste any time. We we got married on uh, December 31st. We were pregnant on like January 5th. I actually had to go back and like count the days to make sure that, you know, it was all on the up and up. Yeah, that's funny. You know, we didn't... Uh, so we thought my wife couldn't get pregnant. Wow. And... Uh, God, I remember being so mad because I had to buy her two wedding dresses. I bought, I bought this really nice <laughs> wedding dress and then... I don't know where she got pregnant. We never, we didn't think it could happen. And uh, so I had to buy this other wedding dress because she was kind of pregnant during our wedding. There you go. Well, hey, that's good. And your son's name is? Cruz. Cruz. That's a great name. Yeah. Uh, talk about being a dad. I mean, you're, you're, so just to put some context around this, I'm 39. I'll be 40 uh, in two months from now. And so I had my first child at 35 or 36. So a decade after 
uh, where you sit currently. And I mean, in that decade, there was a ton of growth and I mean, ups and downs and the whole nine. So I don't know if I would have been emotionally equipped at 25 to become a father. Like, what is that? What is that like? Man, you know, so it's been awesome. I don't have I don't have a lot of negative stuff to say about it and but leading up to it I, I was terrified and I think that of course I think that you know I was in a better position than probably most 25 year olds would be I've been through an incredible amount of self-induced pain mental health uh, growth because of you know those things sure and you know I've just really been through the ringer with life you know between the time I was 10 and 21 and then you know even in my time from 21 to 24 it was uh it was challenges it was me you know starting a couple businesses failing a couple businesses and really making it happen and by that point you know i i feel a lot old i mean you don't you probably don't talk to very many 25 year olds no right and so you know i've always felt a little bit older the guys that i've always talked to networked with and associated with were always quite a bit older and, and I, I, to, I to be honest i knew you were young but I, I actually didn't know that you were 25. i knew you were sub 30 mm-hmm. but uh just the way you handle yourself your maturity and all that kind of stuff i, I would guess at this point you'd be older than 25. that's funny that's probably because you lived a lot more life than most 25 year olds lived a lot more life and you right. know so i think that leading i was a little more prepared than probably most 25 year old fathers but i was still just as ill-prepared as every father is whenever they're coming into it. I don't think any... I was just having a conversation yesterday with a, a man who's about to become a father, and he's like, well, how do I get ready? I'm like, there is no like way to get ready. The only way is for that, that baby girl, boy, to come out and for you to hold it in your arms. And I, I feel like... and it's, you know, give me the chills now. That's when, like, you become a man, you know? Like, you're... As a man, like, that fatherhood just comes, like, thrusting out of you the moment you hold that child in your arms. So... So to tell everyone listening a story, my wife was a week late in having our son cruise. And so during that week, you know, we were just waiting every day. Is it tonight? Is it tonight? Either one of us could sleep. We'd be up real late. I was like going into my office and working because I was anxious. And uh, Nick and I actually got on, got mm-hmm. on the phone that night. Uh, I, I think we were on FaceTime actually. Yeah. And uh, man, we chatted for a while. About and a little over an hour or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I remember you I remember you telling me that. And dude, that was a really important conversation for me that really got me ready. It really got me got me in a good space. Um, because those were that was the baby was late and all this you know, I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Um but for me, dude, I was still the baby came and I was still pretty scared. Like I, you know, <laughs> my wife like felt that instant connection. Of course. But for me, dude, it was honestly probably Oh, I don't know. I mean, it was it was great holding them and everything, but you know, it was maybe a couple weeks before I just started to really, really get pulled in. Yeah, uh, and maybe underlying I was, but there was an incredible amount of fear there, and of course, and just uh, you know, anxiety about not knowing what to do. Yeah, and then like and wondering if you're going to be good enough. You know, total. Well, like, I mean, that's the that's the name of the game, right? Yeah. That's the number one worry we all have. Right? Am and, I good enough? And the, the irony of this conversation is, prior to this podcast, we went and picked up my son. Noah, who's going to be four now, and uh, uh, I still have those conversations. You know, like I'm going to be 40 years old, but I still feel like a, a 10 year old child at, at at some at some points in my life. And I look at him and I'm like, damn, am I going to be good enough? You know? Yeah, and I mean, and, and I mean, dude, the thing that I struggle with too, and you know, I have such a such a gnarly past, and it's all been from you know poor personal choices. And I mean, we've all we've all been through this, but it's. You know, you get this question of why, what did I do to deserve this? Mm. You know, I think the same thing about my wife sometimes. She's mm. been a saint, you know, with me through addiction, sobriety, relapse, all of it. And uh, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting thing to battle with. Right. And I, that, as you were saying, like, what did, I, what did I do to deserve this? 
um, I just had like this epiphany is like every day I must wake up and earn it. Yeah, totally. Like, like the reframe that, like not, not what am I do to deserve it? Cause we've obviously been given it for a reason, but it's, it's not like, you know, our, 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 our wives and, and can leave us. Our children cannot talk to us as a result of like our actions, right. Or lack thereof. So what do we have to do every single day to earn that, to continue to earn that? Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure the, I'm, I'm sure you, as I do in my audience, drill that into, you know, I call it, I call it earning your shield every mm. day. That's what our logo is. Mm. Um, but you know, it, that would be like saying you get married and then you're happy. It's happily ever after, no. you, you know, like yeah. it, it's a fucking struggle. You right. just work every right. single day. And right. you know, I, that's how, and luckily, you know, and we'll get into this as well, but like the thing that I am most grateful for from Alcoholics Anonymous is this idea, this huge cliche that they have of one day at a time. Mm. Um, and I've applied it to my whole life. I've applied I'm not it sure to- it's a cliche. I think people choose to see it as a cliche, but well, cliches are these like very important truths that right. people hear so much that they just choose to let go in one ear and out the exactly. other. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, dude, it's the one day at a time mentality is such a rad mindset to have. Like it, it, it is, it is how I stay happy. It is how I stay efficient. It is how I stay sharp. It is how I do everything. And, you know, don't get me wrong. There's great time for strategic planning and implementation and like yeah, yeah, you I know, think... goals, but it's all reverse engineered down to the day. day yeah. Daily activity. You 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 have to win the daily war, right? I always talk about we don't live in a worn torn country. And maybe some of you that are listening do, but chances are the vast majority are in the United States and Canada. And you don't live in a worn torn country, but you live in this worn torn mind where you have to go to war, like you said, earn that shield every single day to deflect the things of life that are are coming at you, you know. And if you if you can stack up enough days, like you know, cruise is going to be fine. Yeah. Your your marriage is going to be great. Your business will thrive. You know, but conversely, if you stack up too many losses, dude, sedation, disconnection, yep. you know, resentment, shame, guilt, frustration. I mean, anything that ends in ION that's negative will, will, right. will come to your doorstep, you know? Yeah, dude. And I mean, the thing for me, too, is where those things really come into play is when I become unwilling to be uncomfortable, mm. you know, because we're not going to win them all. Right. Losses are going to come. 100%. Right, but it's what it's what do you do with it? Right. Right? Can you can you sit in that and can you bounce back? Oh man, I mean you and and I I'm not going to get too ahead of myself here cuz we're just kind of coming back on the air for the first time in a long time. And so um you know what I've been going through for the last totally. you know, <laughs> since actually started in, in November, but really really bad the last ironically enough 90 plus days and just to be in that pressure cooker and to to be put in that fire God, like, I don't know if, if many people, myself included, I was, I was getting ready to just fucking give up and call it quits, you know, but it's that one day at a time or that one conversation or being able to share my pain with somebody who understands it, that it like pulled me through to the next day. Well, and, it, and now like it's, it's, it's almost behind me, you know? It, I mean, and that's it, dude. And it, it's, it doesn't matter if you're looking at something positive or something negative. Like if I said, if I said, Hey, Nick, you know, we looked at you let's say 45 days into this, you know, everything that you've been going through. If I said, can you go this through this for another fucking year? You said, fuck no, no, dude, not a chance. But if I said, Hey, can you tough it out to the end of the day? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. And then tomorrow can, can, can Can you you do it today? Yeah. Right. It's always tomorrow never comes. (laughs) Tomorrow never comes. It's (laughs) always today. Today, Yeah. Cause tomorrow's going to be a completely different day. Right. Yeah. It, it, well, it's going to it's going to be today. Right. Right. So if you always have the today mindset, yep. you can't lose. All right. So let's go back. Go back a little bit uh, of what kind of led you to, you know, uh, become a, a coach. And you're, you're kind of targeting like, 
what is your generation? Are you guys millennials? Are you like something else that that hasn't been coined yet? I am the last millennial. Okay. People who are 25 right now are the last millennial. Okay. And then below me, I believe, is Generation Z. Oh, wow. I think they have been coined. Is Uh, that because they're like asleep? Like Z? Yeah, I don't know. It may may be. (laughs) The next generation just asleep at the wheel. Yeah, man. They ate a Tide Pod and just (laughs) dropped. (laughs) You know, so, but smoking bath salts, right. But so, you know, everyone that I am working with, I do have, I do have a couple of guys who, you know, I have two or three guys who are between 18 and 19, but right. everybody is between 21 and 30. We've got maybe two or three guys over. Which 30. is like, that's a, like such an interesting age. And, and I want to rewind, but I just want to finish this point. It's like 21 to 30, man. Oh, fuck. I feel like, I feel like you, the training wheels just come off to be a human being, you know? And you're like. You're like Bambi walking on ice and you're like, what the hell is going on? Like you're out of high school, you're out of the nest. Like you have to, you're kind of fending for yourself. You're figuring out who you are. You're still maturing. Relationships are confusing. Uh, like finances, you're getting credit cards, but you don't really understand like credit card debt. And like people are graduating college and starting a career and getting married. And you're just like, I mean, it's like a tornado of confusion between 21 and 30. Dude, it is. And that's how it was for me. But then what we have to, what we have to, you know, what I failed to consider whenever thinking about my 20s is like in the way that I coach my guys is, you know, now it's a different landscape. You know, I meet guys who are 21, my clients of mine, who just fucking murder it. You know, they crush it in business mm. and they're, you know, they're very focused on business while they're letting other areas of their life, life suffer. Away, yeah. But I mean, dude, I couldn't even, I couldn't even stay sober. I couldn't, right. you know, I couldn't even get, I, I couldn't do anything. Right. At 21. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I was, you know, in the hospital all the time. So let's, let's go down like, that's a good transition or <laughs> sure, I, don't, yeah. I don't know if the word good and, and, <laughs> and that are, 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 are associated, but, uh, so let's go back. So. Like when did things start kind of going bad for for you as a person? As a- <laughs> so, I was a pretty good kid, man. I mean, I I got good grades. I played sports, um, but I had these two very young parents. Both my parents were seventeen when they had me. Got it. And you grew up where? Just to give uh, the audience in, context. In Missouri, I was born in California. Lived out there for a couple of years, and then moved to Missouri. In the dirty. Yeah. So, uh, in the Midwest, very different environment. Uh, than it is out here in Orange County. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of religion, mm. uh, not a lot of closed mindset, not a lot of ambition. So it was an interesting area. And I had these, you know, I, my parents were never together. Right. They, were, they were 17 when they had me. And I had one very, very stable parent. And then I had one parent who was an alcoholic. Um, and, you know, mentally, physically abusive, uh, played a lot of head games. And so, you know, as a kid, I always had it pinned in my mind that if I was better, then all these problems would go away. My mom wouldn't drink, right? That was it for me. And I don't know how I got on that path, but I'm so fascinated by childhood development. Mm -hmm. Um, But that was the path for me. And then, you know, leading into middle school, high school, I started to become insecure. On the outside, I was playing the game, right? Uh, You know, I was was masking it, but underlying, you know, I was still having issues with my mother um, and things were getting bad. And so, how, from, and how old do you think you said junior high school or I, I was 16 here. 16. Yeah. And so around when I was 16, I started, I started smoking pot when I was 13. Okay. And, where, do, where does a 13 year old even get pot? Well, so I, mean, I sound like an old man, but like, uh, yeah, you totally do. Where are these youngsters getting the marijuana? Right. So I had, I had a friend who, um, you know, had, I had friends who had older brothers. Okay. You know, I was an only child till I was 10. I have two younger brothers now, but I was an only child till I was 10. And I had friends who had older brothers. So I started smoking pot at 13. 
and you know that was on and off it was whatever it was here and there but i was always i was in just like i am now i'm always fascinated by new experiences mm -hmm. right and whenever i started doing drugs and alcohol i loved it now things stayed recreational because i played very competitive baseball i was good at baseball and uh things stayed recreational through high school but I was still trying things way before anyone else. While my friends started to kind of drink like junior, senior year, I was doing cocaine by the time I was 16. Good God. So Xanax and, and, and cocaine. Does that come from the older brothers too? Or like, I mean. No. So that's an interesting question. So I, I had this job. Uh, I worked at the car wash forever. And there were these two fucking older guys there. One was like 18 and one was 23. And uh, they were drug users. Mm. And. You know, I really, we all had a similar sense of humor and, you know, we worked together. I worked all the time. I really wanted to make money back then. Right. And, uh, which later, my work ethic later went away. But uh, at that time, and so I was hanging out with these guys and they like, they introduced me to Xanax and then they introduced me to cocaine. And then, you know, I would get that from them. My mom also had Xanax, so I would take those from her. And, and the Xanax and the cocaine are like two polar opposite, like... Two totally opposites, drugs. but, you know, even in later in my addiction, those were my, you know, with the exception of alcohol, those were my two drugs of choice. Two vices. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it's, it's not, I'm not surprised talking about it now. I haven't thought about it like, hey, those were the first two hard drugs that I was really messing right. around with. Right. Um, but, you know, then I remember I started doing ecstasy when I was like 17. And that shit was just, I really, I really went hard on that. That was when drug use started to become Kinda. not not so recreational. Right. And, you know, but baseball season would come around and I would stop. But then, you know, right after, I would just pick it back up. But I mean, is, it, was it like, I mean, you say going from recreational to not so recreational. I mean, when I look at recreational, like I think like, oh, it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, something like that, going out to the club. Like there's like an experience or some event that's happening. It's like. Hey, let's get some uh, some party favors. But like, are you doing ecstasy on like a random Monday afternoon? Oh yeah, totally. Really? That's not recreational. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I just like, I mean, that's crazy. So how like how long did it take before like it kind of went just south? So I chose not to go play baseball in college, um, and I went to a big I went to a big school and. Uh, basically the first day I moved up to college, it, it, it got bad. So I remember I was driving up to, I was driving up to college and, you know, it was a happy day. I'm moving out, going to college. My parents are following me with all my stuff. And I'm driving from Springfield, Missouri, where I live to Columbia, Missouri, where the University of Missouri is, Mizzou. Mm. And uh, Mizzou, big party school. I was pumped, moving in with my buddy. Uh, I was supposed to be psyched, right? And my parents pull off to get some gas. And, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, I don't need any gas. I'll drive a little bit ahead. I rolled a joint. Uh, and I'm smoking it and then I, I get pulled over. No. Yeah, dude. And like, no, I tell this, I tell this cop, you can't search my car. And he's like, well, you know, I'm calling the dogs then. You just offered it up or he like, is that no, I told him he couldn't. I know. But I like, is that a normal thing in Missouri? They just pull you over and search your car or what did oh, he, dude, did he, I was, I was hot boxing a joint. Oh, he, he, he okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 So <laughs> dude, you I were mean, like, smoke che was basically pouring you were out. like cheech and chong and down the road. Legitimately. Yeah. And this is like before vaping. So he's like, Hmm. Yeah. Dude, let me, let I me mean, just see what's going on in here. Yeah. And so, you know, he's the state trooper in the middle of nowhere, Missouri, uh, and just was not having any of me, but I was like, you can't, can't search the car. So what are you doing? He's like, I called the dogs and I said, do it. And, uh, they ended up finding, you know, quarter of weed, a handle of whiskey, a scale, a grinder, just a whole bunch of fucking shit. Paraphernalia. Yeah. Cause and I now are your parents like, 
Hey, that looks like Brody's car. Yeah, so as I'm getting cuffed on the hood, they pull up behind me. Oh, God. Dude. And this is on the way to college. This is on the way. First day. First fucking On the way to college. Jesus Christ. And so they took me to jail. I had to get bailed out. Um, and that just kind of set the tone. I mean, dude, I got arrested a ton of times in college. And So did you actually make it to school? I did. I did. You know, I was in jail for about like four hours. Wow. Any charges on on that? Or? Uh, you Like an MIP. Yeah, yeah, I got like six or seven MIPs when I was at college. Um, but nothing, nothing severe, you know. So, so all right. So, what happens? So, your parents—they're all like, you know, proud. Probably got the the Mizzou flag, and, right, dude. You know, class of whatever. And you're—they're like, what the, like, what was that conversation like when you came out after four hours? So, one thing that I, you know, I wish and I wish I wouldn't have been like this, but I was—I was never a liar, yeah. and I was never—I never hid anything from my parents. Like, you know, we more or less grew up together. And, uh, mm. so they knew, they knew that I was fucking around. They knew that I was getting some bad shit and, uh, you know, so it, it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise to them. Obviously they weren't happy. They were super pissed. Actually, it was the worst day ever, but they, uh, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessary. There, there was no story to be had. I was right. just, I was just getting stoned like I normally do guys, you know? And, um, and they're like, why did you have so much shit? And I'm like, well, I don't, you know, I don't have any dealers up here or anything. I just got to stock up. Right. Until I find some. Right. And, you know, so that really set the tone for college. And then, you know, I instantly joined a fraternity. Um, and by this point, I had done a lot more cocaine. I had done a lot more ecstasy. Uh, it was everywhere at college. And then I was in the, in the middle of the party scene. And not only was I in the middle of the party scene, but I was the best at it in the whole fucking school. I mean, for real. Dude. Like you were the guy. I was the guy. I was more fun to party with than anyone around. And that was the truth. I mean, I'm, and you got it going. You probably like, you know, kept the kept the party train rolling. Dude, for two years, for two from eighteen to twenty, I partied seven days a week and everything was fine. Wow. And uh, well, I partied six days a week and then I took Xanax one day a week just to you know sleep like eighteen hours and recover. And that was my life. And you know, it was a, it was a school where you had five hundred person lecture halls, so I didn't. All I had to do was pass five tests a semester, and so I could just take Adderall for three days and study cram and pass a test and then i was good and then the, the rest of the semester i could party jesus and so it was uh dude it was but never... i mean did you like at that point though like were you like ah oh, this is getting a little out of hand or was it more like ah you know i'm i'm 18 i'm i'm 19 i'm 20 i'm in school i'm in a fraternity like this is what you do dude i never or, even, or, or, i never even had those thoughts i was just like if i'm fucked how can i do more really uh, like i but i, I mean you, but you weren't thinking like geez, like i don't want to feel like this or you know like this is getting out of hand it was just like like pedal to the metal yeah well like if i got up you know being hung over that was just part of the game i just thought about how much fun i had the night before and if i took a drink right now then it it, it, go away. it would go away and uh you know things were fine things were fine for 2 years i was just a kid who partied more than every sure more than everyone else but uh, you know, I was basing it off of, I had good grades. Um, you know, I, f I had found ways to make money and that was enough. I, I said, if I have good grades, then I can do whatever the fuck I want. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did, man. But then, you know, things took a turn the year that I was 20. Um, my body, you see the progression that most alcoholics take in 40 years, 20 years, uh, I did in like three so, and what I mean by that is, and we'll get to it later, but like my body had already started to deteriorate significantly amounts that, and cause I was always, I was always scaling. I mean, I was, a, you know, I was a, I had a seven gram a day Coke habit. Right. And seven grams a day. Totally. I was selling it. So I, you know, there was, I didn't never made a dollar. It was the only way to support. So my like habit. a typical, a typical, like 
like buyer where they would buy like a gram, gram and a half. A couple people would split a gram, a gram and a half, sure. For like all, like all, all night. All night. Yeah. And, and you were doing seven a day. Yeah. So I would do, I would do seven a day, most days, you know, until like I ran out of money and then it would be like three and a half. Jesus. And so like when you're, when you're doing seven grams, like are you carrying on intelligent conversation? Well, I was, you know, I was drinking significant amounts on the back end mm. uh, that would just, I, I, for me, that was the high, you know, some people it's heroin, some people it's crack, uh, which it eventually became. Um, but some people it's meth. And, you know, for me, it was just, it was booze and Coke. And like, yeah. I was just in my element at Damn. that time. So you literally crammed 20 years worth of partying into two. Totally. I never stopped. 24-7. 24-7. Except for that one day a week where you needed to. One day a week I needed to recover. And I would probably still even have like a couple 40s on that day. Because if I didn't drink, uh, I would Shaking. get the shakes. Right. And so this is stuff you only see in old alcoholics, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 20 years old here. I got the shakes. And I didn't really at this time know what it meant. So one, I remember one time I tried to. I went because even at twenty, you should be recovering like like that naturally, yeah. you but, know? but not I mean, with that not with that amount. Well, my liver was totally poisoned. My heart was in very very bad shape. I was smoking thirty cigarettes a day on top of this, you know, and it was just uh, it was gnarly. And so the year that I was twenty, I remember there was one time, and I said, I said, okay, I went home for the, I think it was it, I went home for Halloween. And my dad's driving me back up to school. I had just, you know, been at home and just partied fuck ton on Halloween and like it got real bad. And so I'm like, okay, I had to, you know, I was so ignorant when I drank. My consequences are always like 10 times worse than everyone else. Mm. It's like, I wake up and it's like, fuck it. And I really fucked up some relationship. And so I was like, okay, I'm not going to drink for a couple days. So I didn't drink for, or do anything. I didn't drink for two days and I had just gotten off a real bad run. And, uh, my dad's driving me up to school we stopped at a Walmart to get me some food and I, we were checking out and I remember being like, man, I feel funny. And I just dropped and had a, I had a, I had a full grand mal seizure from not using. Wow. Yeah. Cause your body was just like craving it and it needed it just to so, kind of uh, sustain some level of normalcy. Right. Right. So alcohol and benzos, which is Xanax are the only two things that can kill you going cold Turkey. Like heroin will make you feel like you're going to die, but actually, you know, your body's health wise, you're fine. But alcohol and benzos, you can die. And I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the science at that time. And I was coming off of both very, very bad. So from, even from alcohol, you can just. If you were, if you're a drinker, like I was. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're someone who gets the shakes and you just go cold turkey, it's totally risky. Wow. Yeah. Brutal. And that's why when they put them in like rehab, they go to detox. And yeah. They go to detox. And it's supervised and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Medical supervision, everything. Shit. So we're 20 years old. We're like having seizures in Walmarts and just seven grams and like. Even after the seizure, were you like, maybe I should tone it down a bit? Well, so uh, I tried. And then, you know, but then also I was like, I, I just tried to quit and I fucking had a seizure. So I'm like, I'm going to go back to, to, you know. Yeah. That, well, that sucks. So, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not doing that again. <laughs> yeah. And, that was a bad plan. Yeah. And, you know, so at this point, though, things were starting to get rough in all areas. Like grades were declining. Um, I had burnt all. I remember my roommates were kicking me out of the apartment. Um, I lived with four dudes and they all wanted me out and they all hated me. And so I had burned a bunch of relationships. Um, any women in your life at this point? Uh, there was a lot who like, women used to think that they could save me, hmm. you know? And it was just like, hmm. none of them were a match for like what they were dealing with. Yeah, like, oh, this is, this guy's fun. Oh, this is a little intense. Oh my God, I'm out of here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, man, I think that, you know, they always wanted to be the one to save me. Right. Uh, and there was just no doing that. And so, yeah, there were, there were plenty, plenty that 
you know, I was close with. Yeah. Probably I could have had relationships with, but yeah. I was just. I mean, that, that I think obviously there was a lot of like lack of love for yourself at this point. So, totally. Like, and you're just disconnecting, coping with the pain and all that kind of stuff and just trying to disconnect from reality. So probably essentially impossible right. to have any relationship because you had zero with yourself. Well, because I had absolutely, here's the deal. I had absolutely no idea who I was. Right. You know, I had, as a kid, I had identified with baseball and that went away. And then I came to this school where there's 40,000 people, you know, and Springfield's not a small town, but I, you know, I'm in college and there's like right. all these people and there's you know, this pressure to fit in at a social status and be cool and be the good fit, which I wasn't doing, and the guy who gets girls and like all this shit. And the thing that I, I mean, the thing that I was the best at is I was better than everyone at partying. So yeah. I, that was my identity. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, the problem was the solution. And under all of that, I had been numbing emotion yeah. since I was. It's, it's the whole adage like, I hate myself, so I'm going to drink and party. And because I party, I hate myself. Right. And it's just like this loop that you can't, like you said, the, the solution was the problem. Like, I don't want to feel like this, so I'm going to do drugs and then I feel shitty, so I need to like, con <clears throat> drugs and alcohol, just that and, and merry-go-round of insanity, if you will. Yeah, and, and I mean, that's totally, that's totally what it is. And, you know, the more you do it, each loop around the merry-go-round, uh, uh, the fucking fire in there just burns they, they, hotter. The ruts. I mean, yeah. it's just ruts and ruts. And then, like, now the grooves are, like, over your head, and you can't even see where it was that you started. Yeah, I'm, like, at the bottom of a well. Yeah. You know, looking a away. A dry one. Right, right. dude. And, it, you know, I just... So then what happened? So then after that seizure, you know, I, I probably kept going a couple... I went for another probably six months to a year after that, eight months to a year. But then what happened is I started overdosing all the time. So mm. I, I got kicked out of my apartment by my roommates and I decided, okay, well, you know what? My life up here is way out of control. I'm going to move back to Springfield and try to pull my shit together. So I had had some sort of moment of sur defeat or surrender, right. not necessarily right. surrender yet, but defeat. Just like an epiphany, like this is not working. Yeah. And it was a tough decision because I always wanted to keep it up. Like I didn't want to be that kid who fucked up, had to leave school because tons of them had happened up until that right. point. And I managed to keep it together. I mean, fuck, dude, I only have – I don't have a degree now, but I only had like 45 hours to go. <laughs> you know, I was almost done. And uh, so I went back down to – I went back down to Springfield and I enrolled at Missouri State. Uh, but I got back down to Springfield and all my boys were doing heroin. Uh, it was real popular in Springfield and, you know, I was never – nothing ever turned me off right so i was like fuck it dude let's roll and you know so i i did heroin for probably two months and you know in the course of that time i mean in the course between the last 12 months that i drank uh the first time i had six overdoses three of which being three days in a row after the third one on the miracle that i lived i went to uh, check myself into a treatment facility so like when you're overdosing are you like going to the hospital like, yeah like yeah. i'm getting like resuscitated in no an way. ambulance no way six times six times and you had three days back to back to back yeah so i you know one day the first day i got off work and i had like been i had been drinking at work and then i took some xanax bars and then i went over to which by the way those two together are gnarly it's a deadly combo yeah, yeah. And, and then so then i go over to my dealer's house and uh we were we were doing a bunch of heroin and then you know i just i, I did a line of heroin and just dropped um, and then the next night I went back to, I went back over there. I got out of the hospital. I'm like, fuck, you know, it was a fluke, whatever. Even though I had been in the hospital many times before, but mostly for alcohol. Like are your parents showing up at the hospital? Who's showing up to like um, drive you home? 
There's no Uber back then, so no Uber then. Uh, my buddies, you know, I had people that I would call, and at this point, all my really close friends were just like desperately worried about me. I mean, people had always been telling me like, "Dude, you need to slow down. You right. can't do seven grams of coke a night. You can't do any of this shit." Uh, and I was just like, "Yes, I can." Um, but so you know, I had friends who really. It, one place I've always been really lucky in my life is I've had incredible friends, man, incredible friends who were always there. All right. And, but you know, the last night my parents did pick me up. But so the first night, you know, overdose on that second night, I'm like, it was a fluke happened again. And then the next night, I'm like, that morning of the second night, I was like, fuck it. I'm done. Like, I'm not doing this again. And then my, you know, some other people hit me up later and they're like, do you want to come out for a couple of drinks? And I'm like, you know, I was in full panic mode all day. It was just a nightmare. And I'm like, you know what? Sure. I could take the edge off. I'll go out and have a couple of beers. And, uh, you know, if you fast forward like three or four hours, I'm getting picked up off the ground downtown and these cops had me blow and I blew a 0.45 BAC. Holy shit. And so they drove me straight to the hospital and I woke up and I woke up in four point restraints. Wow. Yeah. And so was that like, all right, I'm done. Well, probably like 30, 40 minutes after that was when I woke up in the restraints, I still did not, I didn't know what happened. And so I literally like nod these restraints off with my hand, got out. I pulled a catheter out. Oh. I've never told that story on a podcast, but. <laughs> dude, um, I just, uh, did you see me like kind of yeah, raise up out of the chair? Dude, I, I can't even believe I did that looking back. Uh, and I tried to walk out of the hospital and then they, you know, they put me down again, restrained me. And there was a, cause my mom's a nurse and there was a guy there who went to nursing school with my mom. And he's like, look, bro, I know who you are. Like, you know, you just told me to fuck my mom. Like I came in all angry and, uh, I was like, shit, bro. Like, I'm sorry. You know, what's the deal here? Can I go? And he's like, no, dude. It's like, you're fucked. Like you, you're going to die. He's like, we just saw you here last night. And, um, you know, fine. I, I didn't have my phone. I, it was at the bar. Uh. And so I'm there all night. I'm like panicking and I didn't know my boy's numbers. And finally I had to just call my stepmom and who I was really close with. And, uh, this was 6am. She's like, what the fuck? And she just, she picks me up and, uh, you know, I had already not been staying with them. I didn't have a place to, I didn't have a place to stay. And she picked me up and I just told them to find a treatment facility and they found me a spot with a bed and I went. Wow. How long were you in there for? 28 days. Wow. So uh, I was talking to a guy um, recently and he, he, he what did he say? He said, feather brick truck, <coughs> like feather brick truck. I'm like, what, is, what does that mean? Because I was talking about like some of the signs that were happening in my life uh, six months ago, like that I probably a change was coming, right? Um, nothing at all related to business. And he's like, oh, it's called feather brick truck. And I'm like, what, is this, what does that mean? He's like, well. First you get tickled. Yeah, first you get tickled with right. the feather. And it's like, oh, that was, that was weird. I'm just going to blow it off. Mm -hmm. Right? And then all of a sudden you get hit with the brick and you're like, oh, fuck. That kind of hurts. But I'm still going to keep going down this path. And then like, boom, you get hit by the truck. And you're like, shit. And when you're under the truck, you've got no choice but to surrender and rewind the, the brick and the feather and be like, uh-huh. I had that moment with the feather where I could have shifted. Yeah. I got tickled. I, I got nudged very lightly and I, I could have shifted, but 
it's crazy as human beings how we just want to go down the hard way. I don't know why. I don't know why we're programmed that way. Well, because there's a lot of things. Number one, I think it's I think it's ego. The ego yeah. wants to, number one, think that it's right. right. right? And then it's going to justify every possible reason that it is, right. leading you down a path of insanity. Right. You know, just constantly just fucking taking a beating and a beating <laughs> and a beating. Like, there were a million signs that I should have stopped drinking before I did. And I've done the same. I've done the same thing in business. I've touched. I go back to the fire, man, right. all the time. Right. Right. You know. And when I when it comes down to it, I think it's ego, and then I also think it's a lack of it's a lack of present moment awareness. Um, if you don't really, if, if you're not here in the present moment, because you're always looking for what's out here. Right. At that time when you got hit with that truck, you missed the feather. Exactly. You know. I, I think I actually. I think I, I. I. I felt the feather. I probably didn't feel the brick because I was just like my head was getting banged up against everything. So I didn't feel it. Right. But then just I couldn't help but ignore the goddamn Mack truck sitting on my right. chest, you know? So, all right. So all of that being said, people, like when I say congratulations on being sober for three years, like that's like, first of all, congratulations for being alive. Second of all, congratulations for being sober. And then to have come full circle and being like going into the dark of night to pull other men out of their pit and also to prevent them from going to the dark places you went. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Shit. I appreciate the kind words. It is, uh, you know, dude, it's something that I wouldn't wish upon anyone, but it's also something I would do again. Yeah, and, and that's funny because I've had that conversation so many times about, you know, my off and on again relationship with Nicole prior to us being married, um, the paths of business that I've, I've been down and doors have been slammed in my face. It's like, do you have any regrets? I'm like, I don't know if I can regret any of it because we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Everything would be different. Hundred percent. The whole game would be different. Hundred percent. So, um, so now today, married for uh, year, a little over a year, year. eight month old uh, son, right? Son. Yep. And like businesses on pretty much on fire right now, right? Yeah, it's going well. It's going super well. You know, we we have coached a ton of guys on stuff that you know you and I are both passionate about, uh, and we've done it. You know, we've coached sixty-five guys in the last twelve months, and it's wow. been—it's uh, been—it's been great. Wow! And all, all men, or all men? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All men, mostly under thirty. Uh, well, like man-childs, like the you know, yeah, man-man <laughs> children for sure, for sure. And it's just a younger version of myself. I mean, it, it's the—it's the twenty-two-year-old version of myself. You yeah. see, because when I got sober, um, I was this college dropout junkie totally unemployable right and so i got into real estate because there was a low barrier to entry mm. and i remember i got my license in april in between i took december off in between april and november uh my first eight months in real estate i sold 46 homes wow and you know it wasn't because i was super talented or special you know i mean i, I got some talent right but i was just trying not to get loaded right if so i was, you just preoccupy your time with with working yeah that's all i did and so do you find yourself still kind of gravitating towards like quote-unquote addictions like oh whether it's running or business or you know i do bro i'm so obsessive yeah. and and the difference between me and most guys that i meet in recovery uh is i've just fucking owned that story harder than anyone that's why i share it yeah. like it, it's my gift to the I, world. well i i would tend to agree there was definitely no holding back on that you know You're right. but I, but i think like the more you own it the more it actually liberates you from it well that's that's why i do it and then right. again you know that's really my only gift to the world is my transparency you know it, it, like i just want to i want to hold my hand out yeah. by sharing my story relentlessly you mm -hmm. know for better or for worse mm -hmm. uh because i want people to be able to trust me right and so it's like me holding my hand out and you know i want to leave everybody the opportunity to take it 
if they choose to. Sure. And there, and there's people that, I mean, probably are listening to this podcast that are struggling with addiction and or, you know, alcoholism or pornography, gambling, all this totally. kind of stuff. And, but there's a lot of people that, that aren't, but they they don't realize that they're probably addicted to something else in their life, you know? And because I think we're all addicts at some level. You well, know? you got to look for the sedation game. Exactly. And, right. And, that's and, it. And, and yeah, that's exactly where I was going. It's like, whatever you're sedating with, whatever's keeping you from where you really want to go is, is an addiction. It's a, it's a, it's a form of disconnection from the reality that you really want to create. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and it, God, it's so weird too, because I, I've done so much sedation. I've done sedation in my business life. Mm-hmm. I've done sedation in my marriage. I've done sedation, you know, not necessarily as a father. I've been fucking dialed in yeah. for the last eight months. Yeah. But, uh, you know, dude, it's just as humans, we're so characteristic of it. Sure. And, and, you know, I, I really can't speak to it if it's, if it's always been like this. But this world that we live in now, it's so easy. Instagram, you know, for men, porn, I've struggled with porn. I've mm-hmm. struggled with food. I've struggled mm-hmm. with it all. Anything to get me out as it. As an addict and an alcoholic, I am naturally attracted to anything that pulls me outside of myself, positive or negative. So that includes service work, that includes volunteering, that includes working with my guys, but that also includes porn, drugs, alcohol, women, food, you know, anything that gets me outside of here, Mm -hmm. outside of internal, that's what I'm always looking for. So, and because of that, that's the comfortable area, right. right? And so the biggest phase in my development, the biggest growth that I have had is when I, you know, started to learn by doing uncomfortable things that that's what I needed to be doing. But so if outside of myself is comfortable, inside of myself is where I need to be. Yeah. So I had to start building a very strong spiritual connect- well, connection with well, myself. So I'm, I'm grinning over here because guess where inside of yourself is? It's in the present moment. Totally. Which is circles back to the very beginning. That's the only way you get through life is being in the present moment day by day by day by day. That's right? it, dude. I'm a simple guy. We, we, I think we're all simplistic creatures, but we grossly overcomplicate life. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it, and it's all outside of the present moment when you complicate it. Yeah. It's crazy. I've, I've, I've you know, like living here um, in Orange County, like I've just been in multiple different circles and from wealthy to, to, to poor and in between. And like, it's, it's not like this rich or poor thing or this man or woman thing. It's a human being thing. Like it's fucking crazy, man. Like I think we're all still dealing with some level of like trauma from our, our childhood ages, you know, good or bad as your parents were. Dude, the problems are all the same. It's just how it manifests itself in each individual. Exactly. Uniquely. Right. And like, like the, the mirrors that they got growing up and stuff. So, um, all right, so sober, married, child, any other kids on the way? No. Planning on any other children? She's pushing pretty hard. Oh, you're 25, still got a lot of time in the saddle. Well, I, yeah, I just need I need a little I need a little time. I like my <laughs> wife not being pregnant, to be honest. Hey, amen to that. I had back-to-back children, so I I know, we were God, four, 14 dude. months apart. I couldn't I couldn't even So, imagine. by the t- by the time you're sitting where you're at right now, you were about to have another. She was 3 months pregnant. Like yeah. and she was in her second trimester. Like crazy. I mean, I felt like we were breastfeeding. I mean, they were. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe occasionally I did forever. You know, like. But now, like, you, you get to see my son today, and he's you know talking and nice to meet you, giving you knuckles, and it's it's crazy. Dude, I bet it's um, it's it am- makes me want to cry. It's for amazing. Real. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I think if I think enough about my children, I can cry, and I am a crier. So now you're 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 coaching. Why coaching? So that's a good question. You know, I had built. Uh, you, could, you could go make money 
doing other things that are easier. Yeah, that can make a lot more. <laughs> um, but so, you know, I built a couple ventures uh, doing different things. You know, I got into real estate and then I got into brokering call center contracts for a while. Um, and, you know, I had a couple failed businesses in between there. And ultimately, I was making more money than I ever thought I would make. Mm -hmm. I was fucking loving the money I was making. Right. Right. But I was still unhappy. I was overweight. I was 50 pounds overweight. Wow. You know, like right now I'm 200 pounds. I was, I was, you know, I'm 195 pounds. I was 240, no muscle. Right. Then, you know, even though my wife and I were about to get married and she said yes, because she knew that, you know, she had that thing. She loved me. Um, the relationship was struggling, really was. And on top of that, you know, I had lost the spiritual connection with myself in meditation. I had no meditation practice anymore, no journaling practice, nothing uh, in my pursuit of money. When I start, I stopped doing the things that worked for me early on just to chase money. Right. And what I found is that it's a dangerous proposition. A hundred thousand dollars. What is, you know, growing up in the Midwest, you think that's all the money in the world. You're fucking, that didn't make me happy. Two didn't, three didn't. And I was like, fuck, it's just never going to do it. And mm -hmm. so. I walked away from everything I was doing. I learned a lot about myself doing that. Uh, whenever I walked away from all the money I was making, just said, I'm out, fuck it. Right. You know, and you know, I had some money saved, but not that much. I was still being a young kid spending. Um, but I started to really look at my life and this is how I stumbled upon, you know, this four dimensional way, Right. you know, the way that you guys paved the way for. Right. And I didn't even know about it. I, fuck, I just wish I would have found you guys earlier. I had to do all this shit autistically and it was like so painful. Right. You know, and, and that's the one thing when you're talking, I was like, if I, if I do have one regret, I wish I would have found this at 25. Right. That's what, I mean, that's what all you guys tell me. Crazy. And, I, and, I'm four years into this shit. Right. Four years. I'm, I'm going to be 40. So that means I discovered between 35 and 36, you know? Right. And, and, and you're 25. So a decade earlier. Right. And it, you know, it's no shocker that you said there was a lot of, a lot of growth yeah. in that decade, oh, in, but probably more growth in the last four years than that decade. In the last two. Yeah. Yeah. Last more, more growth between 35 and 40 be, than between 18 and, and 35. Right. That's 100%. gnarly. 100%. That's so gnarly. Yeah. So imagine like fast forwarding, you know? Yeah. It's, it's uh, incomprehensible where you could go. Yeah. And so, you know what I knew that Money alone wasn't going to solve my problems. I mean, a lot of people, they like money a little more than I do. Sure. Like, I just want to, dude, I just want to do my simple shit. Like, I want to, you know, now it's different. I just want to do shit that's really hard. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good husband. And I want to fucking work with guys. And, you know, when I was trying to figure out where I wanted to put my time and also get paid for it, you know, I, by this point, I had trusted myself to be able to do anything. Right. Um, but I, I started to really look at my life. Where did I enjoy it? Uh, a lot. Where did I feel whole? Where did I feel fulfilled? Where did I feel like I was doing something that mattered? And it was when, you know, I was working with other guys in AA. Mm. Um, like a sponsor? or Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was sponsoring guys in AA. And I can't make a living doing that. It's not the sure. way, it's not the way of the program. Uh, it just, it's not right. Yeah. You know, and so I thought, okay, you know, I wonder if I like working with other guys about mindset. By this point too, I had already, you know, I had become obsessed with self-development. Cause it just like, it was, it, that was the next, that was another addiction for mm -hmm. me. You know, I'd read a book, I'd get that one nugget that I needed, I would implement in my life. I'd see some radical change. Then I would see the compound effect take place. And then I was a whole new guy. Right. Right. And so I was just doing it over and over and over and over. I mean, sure. still I'm a fucking self-development junkie more sure. like people would think I'm like that self-help junkie that just never gets any better and <laughs> likes paying for everything except yeah, for yeah. I'm actually getting better. Yeah, better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, so I was like, okay, I wonder if I would like working with guys on this, you know, and ultimately, and it's never been, it's, it, I mean, it is about money, 
but right. it's, it's never been about the money. Yeah, though. like the mo- the money will co- the profits will come as as a result of serving your purpose at the highest level. Right, and so you know, whenever I was looking at my peers, looking at my friends from high school and college, they were all, you know, they're still just asleep. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, I've already fucking just been through more pain than you will ever go through. Right, and I'm running circles around you. Yeah, you know, and I'm and so I started to really pay attention to the landscape of what was going on in my generation, uh, and just spectating. And I'm like, guys need this, whether they know it or not. Some know it and some don't. But Very few do. So what I do is, you know, it's crazy that we have 65 clients now because for uh, for four months I only had three clients. Wow. I took three clients and I just tested different stuff on them because, you know, I had started to – all the things that I said I was struggling with, you know, mind, body, spirit, I started to work on those things. And all of a sudden – boom money started coming in just random Amazing opportunities happened, right? so fucking strange i couldn't explain it i right. thought it was uh i thought it was i thought it was a fluke deal and right so i took these three clients i remember my first three clients were tyler trevor and justin and you know i just tested different stuff on them and at first i was always really good at time management i kind of started out as like productivity program mm-hmm. but then just instantly i was coaching them on all this stuff that i actually love i just didn't the real issue was that I didn't believe that I was enough to coach that. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that I had what I needed to coach that type of stuff. So I thought I can just teach them how to be really fucking efficient. Um, but they wanted all these other things for me and the program evolved and it evolved and it evolved. And then I started like, I started owning it and then I started pushing them really hard. And then, you know, I was just cracking into these guys and, uh, they all were getting so vulnerable that they built a really strong connection with each other. Each other yeah, and absolutely. that's where that's where this idea of a brotherhood was born, and that's when I started putting out content around this message. And through putting out content, I found my voice. Yep. I mean, even a year ago, I wasn't even half of what I am now. Well, it's, we were talking about earlier. It comes down to reps, right? Like people, like how do you get good at anything? How'd you get good at baseball? How'd you get a hitting rep after rep after strikeout after rep after hit after strikeout? I mean, just doing it over and over and over and over again yeah at, at and the I, end i mean like you know right now i tell people i'm going to run this 50 mile race at yeah. big, big bear next month and they're like how did you get there i'm like dude i started running like december 27th <laughs> just fucking one step at a time right i was like i chose i chose running as my 2019 thing i'm like i'm just gonna fucking i said i'm gonna run a 50 mile ultra marathon in the fall i had no idea what a lofty goal that was and right. it's unrealistic right when i hired my running coach just a month and a half ago to get me ready he's like you can't be ready and i'm like throw that thought out because right. we're fucking we're, going we're, we're doing we're it we're doing it yeah and but dude it was just i just every single day and then this is when i started to fall in love with discipline and structure and routine yep. and it's like you know, I don't, like, have you ever heard the term self-mastery? Yes, of Like, course. I'm the only young guy talking about it. And it's not, I'm not selling anything sexy. I'm not flash, flexing on Instagram, flashing shit. Like, I'm just actually on there talking about what fucking matters. And to me, that's doing the shit that I say I'm going to do. Well, and, and the problem is that the people around your age, like, they think what matters is the flexing, is all the flashy shit. And they don't realize, like, you have to put in the fucking work to get that stuff. Yeah. Like you have to put in the work day in and day out. Work on yourself. You know, work in whatever capacity you can to get to where you want to be. And they think that if they just do a couple videos and take a cute selfie, that all of a sudden they're going to be an influencer and make all this money. And the problem is if they get all that money, bro, It'll it'll expose them at the deepest level. Well, that's the thing, even and if they you, may end up in darker places than you've been. I know, dude. I know. And even if you put in the work, get the money, 
with the you know if you if you're so outcome focused right thinking hey this is we're gonna be good when we've got this never. shit the it's fucking g wagon it's and a constant watch. game of evolution dude it's never ending it's like more, literally more, my more my entire you know i don't want to say life's work but certainly the last five to six years just got fucking yeah i mean just sweeped out from underneath me but here's one thing they can take everything from you Everything, yeah. any material possession you have, they will not take your wife. They will not take your son. They will not take the man who's sitting right here that built all that fucking shit and has, has walked across all those hot coals to be here right now. They can take everything from me, everything they want. They will never take the man who's been doing this for 18 plus years. Well, that's, dude, that's it. Like, that's, that's unless I let them. Exactly. And that's what, dude, that's what it's about for me. Like, I know I look at, there's plenty of young guys who, make more money than me and if I get caught up in comparing myself and all this shit sure it's like I should be doing things a little bit differently whatever while they're not making near the impact I am sure. uh, I just know deep down at my core nobody can do what I can do Yeah. nobody can go through what I can go through well you've been through a lot yeah and I'm gonna go through a lot more self-induced shit every day 100% but like shit that's gonna forge you even more into the man that you've always been meant to be Oh yeah, dude. Every I mean, I see it. I, I I've got the taste of it now. I, it, it's, it's so it's so you know we were just talking about me not knowing who I who I was. So we're leaving now. Like I, I, with certainty, know what I was. You know, I'm not religious, but what I was like uh, called to here do. to do. Yeah. I don't. However, I ended up here. I'm in the. I'm here. Yep. And I'm supposed to do it. Yep. And this conversation is supposed to take place. Fuck yeah. So we're we're running short on time, but uh, so where can where can people find you um, on Instagram, social media? Like, how can they go learn more about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So the hub for everything is my Instagram. Follow me, Brody Kern, B R O D I E K E R N. Um, feel free to hit me up if you know someone who's struggling. Send them my account. Send them my name. I'll send you my fucking number. Like I am just always there to help and you know i would love to be able to uh share a lot more with you guys but i no podcast can hit let Hand me up. unpack all of it <laughs> oh we could come back bro we could do multiple uh, multiple you know what we should do we should fast forward and do an episode in 90 days from now and like both see where both of us are at yeah right? it'd be fun yeah it'd that be would fun. be fun um so it's brody kern at brody kern on instagram um, you got to check him out. He's, he's puts out amazing content and it's, it's not content that just applies to 21 and 30 year old, 30 year old people. Yeah. This is like the same shit. Brody actually has the same entire message that I have embodied into a 25 year old because he's lived 25 like years times two in that 25 years. So I appreciate you being here, man. Um, what does the next 90 look like for you? Just give me like 60 seconds. What is it going to be like the next 90 for you? Dude, the next 90 for me, well, I'm not even, to be honest, I'm not even thinking that far. The next 30 for me, I got to run that 50-mile race, it's right? Co it's coming up in 30 days? It's th well, it was, it's August 17th. Holy shit. That's, I'm single track focused right now. Wow. I'm, I'm hustling. All right, I'm so that's working. that's the reason why you need to go follow this guy. The 50 miles he's going to run in less than 30 days. Less than 30 days. And how long have you been training? I've been training all year. I'm, at, I'm running 50 miles a week right now. Really? Yeah. What's the longest you put together before this race? Uh, I ran a marathon in April. Okay, so cool. So 26. I, I but, were there. Yeah, but now we're now we're running 26 on the weekends, followed by a 10 mile run. Yeah, really I, I have no doubt that you're gonna crush it, man. I'm positive. super proud of you. Uh, I'm glad to call you a friend, and I love the, you know, the accountability that we have with each other, and I can't wait to see you on the show in 90 days from now. Yeah, absolutely. As a ultra marathon runner. Ultra marathoner. All right, everybody. Well, it feels good to be back in the chair. It feels good to be back in the presence of men like Brody, men who are committed to leveling up their life a day at a time, but 
stretching that over 90 days and accomplishing big shit. So welcome back to the Next 90 Nation. You know what to do. Own the Next 90. I'm out.